Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I don't know if I'm alone, but one of my favorite times of the year is the day after Thanksgiving when all the Christmas music hits the airways. Does anybody else love that time of year? I love it. I love it. So here's what I thought I'd do. I'm going to start off by playing a little game with you, and I'm going to sing a line from a very familiar carol, and I want you to tell me what song it's from. As soon as you get it, just throw it out. Dashing through the snow. It's a one. There you go. Jingle bells. Absolutely. All of the other reindeer. There we go. That's good. Okay. Born and raised in South Detroit. He took the... Okay, it's my favorite carol, okay? All right, okay. He was made of snow and the children know. There you go, all right. Yuletide carols being sung by the choir. And come on. Christmas song. (laughs) Where the treetops glisten. And children, white Christmas, that's right. Take a look at the five and ten. It's glistening once again with candy canes. That's right, come on. Round yon virgin must silent night. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. A holy night, that's right. All right, here we go, one last one. I have seen your salvation which you have pre... Okay, I know it's not fair because you've never heard it, okay? Um, but, but, but listen, I know that wasn't fair, but it's actually from the Gospel of Luke, so if you got your Bibles, I want you to go there. It's Luke chapter 2, but let me help you. It's actually a Christmas carol. Its title is called The Song of Simeon, and I might go out there and say, I think it's the most incredible and most important carol ever written. But unlike the ones that we know, there's no notes by which to play it, no melody line or rhythm by which we can sing it. You're never going to hear it on the radio. You'll never hear it sung by a choir. And yet again, I will say, I think it's the greatest carol ever written. And the most incredible lines within it hold the keys to what Christmas is really all about about. See, I grew up in the church. I love the Christmas carols. I love the hymns. I love it every time when we get into Christmas and we start singing those familiar songs. But this one wasn't written by man, even though many of those hymns hold great theology. This was written by the Holy Spirit itself. And the depth of it is amazing. Now, let me set this up for you. By the time it's written, Jesus is eight days old and he's living in a house. He's not in a stable anymore, but don't miss this. But the miracle of Christmas is far from over. I want to say that again because I think that's a problem with Christmas, why so many people make it a holiday rather than understanding it's a holy day. Because the moment, and what we like to do is we like to lump in these wise men into the nativity scene, which you need to know, they didn't show up till Jesus was roughly about three years of age. So he wasn't, they weren't even there at the birth of Jesus. But we like to make it its birth, and therein lies the problem. Jesus is eight days old. 
He's not in a manger anymore. He's in a house, maybe among relatives. But what happened 2,000 years ago, roughly, was not a moment in time of which we pay homage. It was a moment in time that would transform every moment in time if we let Jesus be the head of our heart. It's to be a holiday, no. It's to be a holy day, yes. Now listen, according to Jewish law, Joseph and Mary were to bring Jesus to the temple to have him circumcised on the eighth day of his birth. So that's what they're doing. And there's a man there that day in the temple named Simeon. If you're a guest, we've been in a series called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Taking something that has been in our secular world and helping us understand that with Jesus, it can be done in a new spiritual world because there is a Grinch, and I want to say it again, and his name is Satan. And the Bible says he has come to steal Christmas, and he comes to seek, to devour, to divide, and to destroy. And the Grinch hates Christmas, and he wants to steal it from us as well, and I think in a lot of places around this country he has. And we're trying to get back to what Christmas is really all about. And so we're talking about people in the Christmas story that no one really talks about in the Christmas story, but I think they're the most important part of the Christmas story. And today we're going to talk about Simeon. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but my guess is few even know who I'm talking about. Because the moment we get to the birth of Jesus, the tree goes back in the box after the birth and everything goes away and we start into a new year. And it saddens me that we do something like this. Well, you need to have a New Year's resolution. Why? Probably because the Grinch stole Christmas again. I don't need New Year's resolution. Because of Jesus, I got redemption. I got transformation. I don't start something new every year. Because of Jesus, my whole life started anew. Every day is a holiday in Jesus because of the holy day of Jesus. Amen to that? Oh, my goodness. Tradition has it that he was probably 113 years old, but we really don't know how old he was. We just know he was really old, maybe more like Reed's age. And so... <laughs> which, by the way, I, I want to tell you something about Simeon you need to know. And it's actually in Malachi chapter 3... It saddens me that so few people even know about this dude because he plays such an important part in the Christmas story and he's actually a part of a prophecy that most people totally miss in Malachi chapter 3. And here's what it says in the 16th verse. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another because not all the Jewish people who said they loved God feared him. I think the saying could be saying there's a lot of people in churches today that call themselves Christians, but they don't fear the Lord. But then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention to them and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him, God, for those who fear the Lord and who esteemed his name. They will be mine, says the Lord. On the day that I prepare my own possession... I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. 
and the Lord would not forget them. Last week we talked about Zacharias. He was part of that Jewish remnant. Anybody know what a remnant is? A handful that say we still believe that God is real. Unlike the rest of the Jews, maybe unlike the church today, they weren't hoping for the coming of Jesus. They were waiting for the coming of Jesus. Big difference. Let me say it again. Simeon was 113. Let's just call it and hold on to tradition. We've never heard about him for 113 years. I just wonder how many of us would be okay if God said, I'm going to let you live for 113 years. And when you're 113, only then am I going to let people kind of know who you are. I want you to live faithful. No one's going to praise you. No one's going to acknowledge you. No one's going to thank you. And Simeon went, okay. Because it isn't about me. It's about you, God. And God said, because of your obedience and your faithfulness, you will not die until you see my son, the Messiah, born. And the Bible says he wasn't hoping that would come true. He trusted the word. He was just waiting for it. Boy, that's the faith I want. God said it. I'm just doing it because that's enough for me. That's the guy we're going to talk about. So here's my question. Because what I want for you is this. Do you see him? Do you know him? Do you hear him? like a prince? Would you look for someone that seems to have charisma? What would be the attributes of somebody you're looking for? Would you look for a baby? I don't think so. Because it's not a picture of what you think a savior looks like. I wonder as we come to Christmas, how many people come and they're looking. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning. Maybe they're looking for healing. But they never see it because it's different than what they think it should look like. To them, it doesn't look like it should be a baby born in a manger. But here we are, Simeon's right there, and all of a sudden, the time is there. God's revealed, you're going to see him. And, and so Simeon's looking, he's looking all over, and all of a sudden, he sees, think about it, he sees Mary and Joseph. And his heart leaps up, and he rushes over there, doesn't even say really much dialogue with Mary and Joseph, just takes the baby, holds it in his arms, and then he makes this proclamation from Luke 2, starting verse 29. Master, I am your servant. You have done what you promised. Now I can die with no trouble in my heart. I've seen the person that you have sent to save your people. You have sent him to the world so that people everywhere will know. He will bring light to them so that they can know you. He will show to everyone that they are what? Special. You know, Pastor Keith just a few minutes ago was talking about favorite Christmas carols. One of my favorite is one we haven't even talked about yet. It starts off this way. Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you... Yep. And he asked three questions in the carol. Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? Do you hear what I hear? 
We're going to take those same three questions and ask them here. But we're now going to take Simeon's proclamation and reveal three tremendous truths about Christmas, of what really was born forth when God sent his son for us. And really, as Keith has said, makes it not just a holiday, but a holy day. So if you'll take out your notes, let's start with the very first question. Do you see what I see? Because Christmas brings forth light. It brings forth what? Now, how many of you, you love Christmas lights? I mean, you've been out seeing some of them? Now, I don't know about you, how many of you would love to have Christmas lights just stay up all year round? That's the way I am. Absolutely. Well, maybe you've seen some, maybe you haven't, but if you haven't seen this one yet, you should. Rain Yerke, who's been leading worship with us tonight, he likes Christmas lights, and I'm glad he does. So this gives you an example of what his house looks like. Man, I'll tell you, I'm glad that rain likes lights. And if you haven't been there, I encourage you to go there. It's interesting what Simeon said in the anthem. It was the last part of it. Here's what he said. He, which means Jesus, will bring light to the people so that they can know you. He's talking about God, so he can know God. And that's what light does. It illuminates. He will show to everyone that they are special. Light reveals reality. Say that with me. Light reveals reality. This Christmas season... What do you see? Do you see that you're special? Do you see that you were created by God, unique, one of a kind, his best creation? Do you see that you're just like your heavenly father? Do you see that you're loved unconditionally, that you're accepted, you're gifted, that you're forgiven? Do you see that? So many people don't. And when they don't, Then they refer to other people around them in the world to tell them who they are. And so what they see themselves, they see themselves as expendable, failures, worthless, having no value at all. You know, last week, Pastor Keith made the statement, what you see is what you get. The eye is the lamp of the body and how you see yourself and how you see others is what you'll get. Reminds me of a story of a couple that was in the springtime was having breakfast And as they looked out the window, this is some years back when people used to wash clothes and then hang clothes on a line to dry. And so the woman's there and she's looking at her neighbor hanging clothes up on the line to dry. And she goes, man, I wonder what she's using for detergent because her clothes are just gray. She, boy, it is not washing her clothes very well at all. That, that's really bad. Someone should, should talk to her about that. Next morning, same thing. She told her husband, boy, they still are. I wonder what she's using. That is just not good stuff. And this happened the third day, the fourth day. The fifth day, she looks out and she goes, wow, she must have changed detergent. They, the clothes look super bright today. I mean, it really looks good. The husband said, well, actually, earlier this morning, I got up and I cleaned our windows. <laughs> See, how many people have really no idea who they are? And when you don't know who you are, all you see is dark around you. Can we agree that we live in a dark world? A world that's full of sin, sickness, sadness, sorrow, sin? It is. And when people feel that way, they feel that everything around them is dark. They can't see. 
but can you see the light? Because here's what Isaiah said. Isaiah said this, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. In the first chapter of John, John writes, his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. In fact, Jesus said himself, he says, I am the light of the world. So what does it mean? It means that in a dark world, and maybe you might be even in a very dark spot in your life right now, that into that darkness, into your darkness, Jesus was born. He's the light. Do you see it? See, every question question that gets asked really is wrapped, the answer is wrapped into one, a baby, a savior born in a manger. If you want to know who God is, if you know what God is like, what he looks like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. That's all you have to do. In fact, this is what Jesus said about himself. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And when you see Jesus, you'll see light. And the light shines in dark. So when I look at you, you know what I see? I see someone who God loves with all their heart. I see someone that God loves so much that he sent his son to not just be born, but to die for you. That's what I see. Simeon saw it. Let me ask you, what do you see? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? Because Christmas brings forth salvation. Christmas brings forth what? Salvation. Again, look what Simeon sang. This incredible hymn. I have seen the person that you have sent to save your people. I've not only seen him, you have sent him to the world, watch what it says, so that the people everywhere will what? Know. He will bring light to them so that they can know you. And he will show to everyone that they are special. You see, when Simeon held Jesus that day in the temple, an eight-day-year-old baby boy, he saw the most important aspect of Christmas, which I contend goes overlooked over and over again. Because when you and I see a cradle, that's not what Simeon saw. He saw the cross. Because that's why Jesus came. Christmas isn't about a baby. I mean, what's so special about a baby unless it's your own? It's a baby. Jesus didn't come to be born. God so loved that he gave his son. He came to die. That's what Christmas is about. It's salvation. The reason for the season. That's what Simeon knew. Because that was the pronouncement. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those little tiny hands fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb were made by God to be pierced with nails. Those tiny little baby pink and unable feet to walk would one day struggle to walk up a dusty hill to be crucified. That sweet little head with those sparkling little eyes would one day be pierced with a crown of thorns. A tender little body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would have them ripped from his body. (laughs) And a spear thrust into his side and then wrapped in a different cloth, a burial cloth, and placed in a tomb. 
That's what Simeon saw. That's what Simeon knew. Christmas brings forth salvation. You know what I know? See, going to church isn't going to cut it. Reading the Bible won't do it. Giving your life away won't earn it. That's all wrong thinking. All you can do is receive it. That's what Simeon knew. My eyes have seen the Savior that God gave the Son of Jesus. Man. <clears throat> By the way, my friends, the Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua. Did you know that? Y-E-S-H-U-A. That's Jesus' name in the Greek. It's Yeshua. You know what it means? Yahweh, God, saves. That's Jesus' name. When the angel appeared that day to Joseph and said, take Mary, do you know what he said? Because Mary's going to give birth to a son and you are to name him Yeshua. It wasn't the name Jesus that other people were named Jesus. It was Yeshua. That's what his name is to be because he will save his people from their sins. God's gift, salvation. That's what Simeon knew. I've seen Yeshua. Yahweh saves. This is why I say, people, there's only two gods. There's Yahweh and there's your way. You need to decide which one works. May I offer Yeshua? What sins are you holding back? What sins are you holding back? You don't want anybody to know because you're more interested in what the world thinks of you rather than what God knows. What sin are you holding back? It's time for you to hold them up to Jesus because he was hung up for you. Why worry about what other people think? You know, Charles Spurgeon said it this way, morality may keep you out of jail, but it only takes the blood of Jesus to keep you out of hell. You know, there's a story of a lady who is the wife of a very wealthy lawyer who once cabled her husband from Europe where she was on vacation and visiting. She saw a tapestry, a beautiful tapestry she always had wanted. The price was $25,000. So she reached out to her husband by a telegram and said, it's 25,000, are you okay if I buy it? To which he telegrammed back, no, was his reply, price too high. And yet she returned from Europe with the tapestry. When her husband asked why he, she had disregarded his reply, she showed him the telegram, no price too high. <laughs> Guess you need to figure out your communication before you send it, huh? But that's exactly what God telegrammed to Jesus. No price too high. And Jesus said, okay. And he gave his life. No greater love, the Bible says, than that. No price too high. And why? To show everyone how special they are. Do you know what I know? The third question is, 
do you hear what I hear? Because Christmas brings forth peace. What does it bring forth? Shh. Listen, 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 listen. Just listen. Do you hear it? It's a sound of peace. Sounds a lot like silence, doesn't it? Silent night, holy night, sleep in heavenly what? Peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Silent and holy nights bring heavenly peace. But here's the reality. We don't like silence. We like noise, lots of noise. From the moment we wake up in the morning to all day long, 24 hours a day, it never stops. News comes at us, sports, weather. What do you want? Social media, Instagram. It's on all the time, all day long until it stops. It never stops. And I wonder if that's because in this world today, we have very little peace. See, when we don't want to hear something, you know what we do? We turn up the volume around us. When, when my wife and I were first married, we just got married so we don't have any money. And she came home one day and said, uh, there's a noise in the car. And I said, turn the radio up. We can't afford it. <laughs> I wonder if one of the reasons we like noise is that way we don't have to hear the hurt in our heart. You ever heard someone just say this? Man, can I just get some peace and? I wonder if the reason so few people experience heavenly peace is because there's just no silence in their life. It's hard to hear the Prince of Peace come when there's noise all the time. Pastor Keith always said it. When there's no peace, there's no peace. But when you know peace, <laughs> you'll know peace. There's an old song that said this. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. How do you have that kind of peace? Well, you know what? Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, he's writing to the Philippians and he says, you can have a peace, and it's actually in verse 7. It says it this way. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How many of you would love a peace that exceeds anything you can understand? Absolutely. How do you get it? Actually, the previous verses tell us. Starting in verse 4, here's what he says. It's three things. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always rejoice. Always what? Rejoice. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. The second thing he says, let everyone see that you're considered in all you do. In other words, be kind. Always be what? Be kind. And the third thing he says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything everything, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. So he says three things. Always rejoice, always be kind, and always pray. Always rejoice, always be kind, always pray. Then, say then, say it again, then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you want to find people that don't know Jesus I see them like this a lot. Their fists are always like this because they're always having to try to hold on to things and grab things and accumulate things and, and stuff and, and they can't, oh, I could never lose it, hold on to it. And because of that, there's so much stress and even sometimes anger. But you know what I find when people know Jesus? They live their lives this way, open-handed. That's why he says, rejoice always, always be kind and always what? And when you do that, he says, you'll have a peace that exceeds your understanding, not just on earth, but a peace that exceeds beyond that because you know where you're going when you leave this earth.
How many of you have already figured out that you're going to be dead longer than you've been alive? <laughs> Wise. Simeon remembered that God promised he wouldn't die until he saw the Savior. So when he saw Jesus, remember his response, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. His first thought, his first thought is, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. He saw Jesus. Question, are you ready to die? Right now, are you ready? It's interesting because unless you know the Savior, you're not ready to die. You might be ready for a lot of things in life, friends. You might be ready to, to start a new job. You might be ready to start a, a, a move into a new home or, or start an education or whatever the case may be. You might even be getting ready to start retirement. But unless you know Jesus, you're not ready to die. And you need to be. I've been with people in their last hours of life. In fact, in the last few weeks, I was there as they, one person took their last breath. And I find they've fallen into two categories. They're either like this, where they're wondering, did I do enough? Should I have done more? Was there something else I could have done? Or they're there like this, and they're at peace because they know where they're going. See, every other religion in the world, world it's two letters, D-O, do. Do this, do enough, do more. And maybe then, uh-uh, Christianity, it's four letters, D-O-N-E, done. Amen. Done. Because what he did, you can know that you know that you are in heaven with him forever. Simeon knew that and he embraced it. And he says, I'm ready. He came, Jesus came to bring us peace. It's the kind of peace you can have. So, do you see what I see? Because Jesus is a savior. He came to bring light. Do you know what I know? Christmas brings salvation. The Savior's born. Do you hear what I hear? Christmas can have peace because the Prince of Peace came that you can know and have that kind of peace not only now, but know where you're going forever. Mm. Amen. You know, I want to just tag on what Reed said. If you're not ready to die, you really don't know peace. Because you're going to die. And Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. But I've also learned something too. People that don't know peace try to hold on as much as they can on what they know. Instead of being at peace, if that day comes, what I'm sharing is this. I'm so grateful I've celebrated 30 years with my wife. Only God knows if I will die first or she'll die first. Will I grieve that from a human standpoint? Oh yeah, I will. But if she was to die tonight, I'm at perfect peace because I know where she's going. Amen. That's what marriage should be. And I fear that when that happens to so many couples, they don't know where to go because maybe the issue's here and they're not sure how to deal now that their God is dead. I just offer that because you're going to die. 
But Paul said what? Better to be absent in the body and home with the Lord. I mean, that's where it's at. I want to be with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's, when, it, that's when it gets really good. And I just want to help you. So just so you know, I can tell you what heaven won't look like. It ain't going to be all white, little fat guys playing harps, okay? All right, that, that to me would be a picture of hell. People always ask me that, that, that what would heaven be? It'll be the Colorado snow-capped mountains. It'll be the sun setting over the ocean. It'll be walking through fields. And you say, why is that? Because what God is restoring is what he created in the garden, all of its beauty. But it'll be on steroids because there'll be no sin. Amen. It'll be awesome. It'll be amazing. Just imagine those spots that you were raptured in a moment because of the colors or, or the smells and that. And then take it to a place that you can't even begin to fathom. And now we're getting a little glimpse of what forever looks like. That excites me. Amen to that? I can tell you it won't be. It won't be when you and I leave Chamberlain and have to go. And anyway, anyway, to, anyway. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, there's, anyway, I'll leave that alone. But in their book, Lost in America, author Tom Clegg and Warren Bird point out this. Listen very carefully. Within the next 24 hours, and that's true to this moment right now, several thousand people in the United States will die without knowing Jesus Christ. And they will spend an eternity separate, separate from him as a result. Here's the sadness for me about our Heavenly Father. He created everything, but then also had to create hell where he wouldn't be because he knew there were some people who would rather spend it there than with him. He had to create a place that he knew some of his creation didn't want him. I can't imagine what that does to the heart of God when he left his throne and came to be our savior. Thousands of people, can I tell you how many thousands that would be in the next 24 hours in this country? The New Orleans Superdome seats 72,000 people. You'd have to fill it 2,638 times with all the lost people in the United States right now. How many thousands? It's the combined population of all of Mexico and Ethiopia would roughly be how many people in the United States right now would die without knowing Jesus as Lord. And the church sits. There's a story in a book that I love. Eats with Sinners is the title of the book. It talks about during the Holocaust, a group of people who loved to worship, at least some of the times, only when the train would come down the tracks. It's a true story. It would bother them in the midst of the weekend when they would be worshiping or at the times of the week they would gather and they would be singing and they'd be interrupted by the train going by and the rattling of the tracks and the whistle blowing. But on one given moment, 
they were interrupted and the music stopped and they heard the train go by and then they heard the cries of people coming from those trains. And they were Jewish people being taken to concentration camps. This would go on time in and time out when they would be worshiping and it became so loud that they couldn't stand anymore so they made a decision we need to turn up the music. And that's what they did. And I fear that's the American church today. We don't hear what God hears. We don't know what God knows. And we don't see what God sees. Open your eyes and look. The harvest is plentiful. I need laborers. Do you not hear the cries of the people? Do you not know that I'm the Savior, that I'm the only one who can change them? What really matters in the church, that we divine design the services the way you want them so then you can worship, which means that I'm not sure that you really understand who he is because you're trying to dictate the way you think it needs to be, and none of us really know. All I care about is this. I want to see lost people found. That's what Christmas is all about. John Coltrane tells of a time on Christmas that when he was seven, he asked for a dinosaur sticker book for Christmas. Seven years old, this is what I want. He asked for it every year until he, he was 11. Much to his dismay, it was never under the tree. When he was 15, his mother found the book hiding in the pantry. <laughs> she completely forgot about it. It had been there the whole time. However, by this time, he hated dinosaurs and really didn't want anything to do with them. His mom gave the book away then to a kid at her school, but bragged about her hiding skills. Johnny says, I was never impressed. But then he says this, where was that dinosaur sticker book supposed to be? It was supposed to be in my hands on Christmas Day when I was seven. But it was lost, it was forgotten. And by the time it was found, I moved on and I didn't care anymore. People don't come to Christ by chance. They come when you and I understand Christmas and see and know and hear what God does. came to be light in your dark world and nothing can ever extinguish that light I came to be salvation because I'm the only way the truth and the life can you hear it or will we go through and make it a holiday one more time why co-workers are heading to hell. While family members are heading to hell. While people we call friend are heading to hell unless they know Jesus. For if we really got this, you cannot hold it back. You got to give it. 
there's no way God comes in us to be quenched. What did he say? You can't light a lamp and hide it. When it's lit, you put it up on the hill that everyone would see it. That's what Jesus said. I say this, maybe you've been lost like the sticker book for four or 40 years. Can I give you some great news? Maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe, maybe you don't even think anybody notices. Well, guess what? It's never too late because God will never just move on from you. He just won't. He will never stop caring about you. Do you see him? Do you know him? Do you hear him? I told you, eight days later, he was taken to the temple, Jesus, but Christmas was far from over. Because it would take another 33 years for Jesus to get to that cross, which he could not wait to get to. Because that gift, his life, is what Christmas is all about. And if it doesn't take root in your heart, Christmas means nothing at all. It was never about a baby. It was about a savior who laid his life down. I'll say it again. If it doesn't take root in your heart, that the word becomes your authority and you start walking and learning and growing in it, Christmas means nothing. Means nothing. You will know who my disciples are, Jesus said. Watch how they love one another. Watch how they live it out. Jesus, Savior. Father, the Grinch wants to steal and kill and destroy. And that Grinch hates Jesus. Did everything he could to try to keep that moment down. Nothing holds God back. Nothing. And your love broke forth. Boy, the Grinch was desperate for his earthly life to try to do everything he could to derail the coming of the King. I think the devil thought he won that day when he breathed his last, but he misunderstood the words. <laughs> it is finished. It wasn't a moment of surrender. Those are the words of salvation. Sin had been overcome. The redemption was at hand. And he would solidify that three days when he would break forth that death would be no more. Savior has come. Simeon knew it. My eyes have seen Jesus, Yeshua. God saves. <laughs> wow. I think sometimes one of the truly forgotten of Christmas, but I want to be like Simeon. I'm not hoping 
I'm eagerly waiting. And while I'm waiting, I'm going to do what Simeon did. I'm going to live to be holy, to be obedient, to love, to speak the name of Jesus. God, may that be our hearts. And I pray for those right now. Maybe they don't know Jesus as Savior. Maybe they thought that somehow that it would be passed on through my generation and through my parents. But God, it's a personal decision we have to make. It's an act of surrender where we quit thinking about what the world sees, but it's what you know. God, we would have that light. It would reveal to us and, and realize what we need is you to know what Simeon knew, to surrender that today is that day of salvation. If that's you right now, and maybe it's a moment of return, rededication, I just ask you to pray in your heart right now, Father, I want you. Your Yeshua, God's gift to me, Jesus, what Christmas is all about. I receive the gift. All that I am, all that I understand right now in this moment, I surrender to you. My Savior has come. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus, the Savior, my salvation. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.